0: Today we're continuing our series uh, looking at the words of Jesus that He said when He was hanging on the cross. And uh, if you were here last week, we talked about the, when He said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken, or we use the word, abandoned me. Um, and we, if you'll remember, I put this picture up there about what Jesus looked like. It, it wasn't a gentle and, and meek and mild Jesus hung on the cross. It was one who'd been beaten uh, beyond recognition. And the cat of nine tails, this evil whip thing that they used had bones and sharp objects in it. When it would wrap around, it would rip skin. And very often it was common for someone beaten like this to have their inter- internal organs exposed. And so Jesus is hanging on the cross and, and He's looking like this. And um, uh, He says some some more words that we're about to look at. And, and He says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. We're going to come back to that in just a second. But I want you to... Um, to picture in your mind what this looked like. this What we're going to look at today is the very first words that Jesus said when He was hanging on the cross. And uh, we are told in the Scripture that He went to a place called the Skull. It was nicknamed the Skull because it kind of looked like a skull. And you can see that there in this picture. This is kind of the traditional place where Jesus was crucified. It was on a public road in. if you were going to or from Jerusalem you would walk right by this and you would see this is what happens to people who are enemies of the state uh, because they didn't want people to be enemies of the state. They wanted to show you this is what's going to happen to you. Here's another picture from a little bit different um, look. Next one. There it is, a little bit further back, so you can see the hill at the top and the crosses were probably at the top. And then one more picture. So if you're coming to or from Jerusalem, you're going to see... These people up there, and Jesus has uh, one criminal on his left, one on his right. Jesus is in the middle, and the charge was he claimed to be king of the Jews. And, And so here's what he says, very first words, Luke 23, 34. Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus is hanging on the cross, and he looks down and he sees his accusers. He sees the Romans who've beaten him senseless, who spat upon him, who mocked him. He saw them there and, and he sees the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees, the ones who should have known better but were so filled with envy and, and, and uh, hatred that they demanded that he be placed on the cross. Jesus looks down at them and he says, God, Dad, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And, and I just, I can't believe that, that Jesus on the cross praying for the people who put him on the cross And uh, let's just get to the meat of of what we're going to be talking about today. Who do you need to forgive? Don't ever, don't ever tell me you can't forgive someone. Now, maybe you won't. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, you can. We're going to talk about that today. Every person here needs to receive God's forgiveness, but we also need, as we find out in Scripture, to give that forgiveness to others. And and lest you think that Jesus was just delirious and, you know, that he had been beaten so bad that he just kind of threw these words out here. These were throwaway words on the cross. This scene where Jesus on the cross praying for sinners was predicted 700 years before Jesus was ever born. There was a guy named Isaiah in the Old Testament, and he said these words, Isaiah 53, 12, "...therefore I will give him the honors of one who is mighty and great." Because he has poured out his soul unto death, Isaiah's given them a reference right here to a military type thing. When when a general comes back, he's victorious. He gets to share in the spoils of whatever he's just conquered. So he's he's saying of the Messiah, when he comes back, God is going to honor him with the the share of the spoils. And what he what battle he was in was the battle for, between good and evil. The battle between right and wrong. And Jesus comes back and He's victorious over that. And He has the souls of the people who are going to give their lives to Him. He's victorious. And and then look what it says. Here's where He predicts it. He was counted as a sinner. And He bore the sins of many. And He pled with God for sinners. 700 years before He hung on the cross, Jesus was foretold that the Messiah was going to pray for you and me while He's on the cross. And He does it right here. Father, forgive them. Now... If you remember last week, we talked about Jesus cries out to God and he says, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And and the simple short answer is God abandoned Jesus for a brief time so that he wouldn't have to abandon you. Jesus became sin and defeated sin and death. And in the midst of this cosmic battle between good and evil, Jesus prays this nine-word prayer that totally turns the world upside down when it comes to forgiveness. And so what we have, not only do you you have B.C. and A.D. for the cross, for for the calendar, I mean, but we've got B.C. and A.C. when it comes to forgiveness. B.C. is before Christ. What was that attitude before Christ? You owe me and justice is mine. This is on your listening guide. Before Christ, and in fact, this comes from the Old Testament. This is the eye for eye, tooth for a tooth type thing. The Old Testament says, if you hurt me intentionally, intentionally is the key, Accidents were forgiven, even the Old Testament. If you hurt me intentionally, I get to hurt you back just as badly as you hurt me. But we're so evil that 2,000 years after Jesus turns this upside down that we don't want people just to hurt the same amount that we hurt. We want to hurt them worse than we hurt so that they can feel it and so that they can understand what they did to us because we're evil people. Now, how did Jesus change things? A.C., after Christ... God forgave me, so I'll forgive you. And and this is kind of a this teaching on forgiveness is kind of a bookend on Jesus' life. He taught it in the very first sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter five through seven, and we're going to look at that. He taught forgiveness there. He taught forgiveness as he's hanging on the cross. He taught forgiveness all during the middle parts of his life. Look at Matthew six twelve. Jesus says he's talking to his followers about how to pray, and he says. You pray this way, and forgive us our sins just as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. Jesus is saying, if you're serious about prayer, if you're serious about walking with God, you say, God, I want you to forgive me exactly like I forgive others. Are you serious? Do you really want God to hold you to that? Do you want God's forgiveness to be dependent upon your forgiveness? Do you want God's goodness to be dependent on your goodness and mercy and grace? I don't think so. Jesus takes this forgiveness thing to an H and L a whole nother level. Y'all say that. Jesus takes forgiveness to a whole nother level. You See, what we do is we, we divide forgiveness into two parts. We divide it into what we receive. We want to receive forgiveness. If I do something to you, I want grace and mercy. If I do something wrong, I want grace and mercy. But if you do something wrong, I want justice. we 've divided it into what we receive and what we give out. and Jesus goes, "Nope, nope, 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 this whole other level of forgiveness it 's all together. And you get forgiveness from God just as you give forgiveness to others. It's one in the same. Without forgiveness, I want you to think about this. Without forgiveness, where would we be? Somebody give me an answer. Without forgiveness? Lost? A little worse than that. A little bit south of that. Hell. If you want hell on earth, don't forgive. If you want hell on earth, live with someone who won't forgive. Constant theme in Jesus' life. If you want to have God's blessing, you must choose to forgive. Now, one day, Jesus and his disciples were hanging out, and uh, Jesus had been doing all kinds of teaching. and And one disciple says to Jesus, "Hey, Jesus, how much are we supposed to forgive?" And this is Peter. And I kind of figure it's a loaded question because I think Peter had been forgiving somebody and he was kind of thinking, man, Jesus is talking about forgiveness all the time. And, and I don't know what all is going on here. So he says, J- Jesus, how many times are we supposed to forgive? Seven, because the rabbi said you're supposed to forgive three. And, and Jesus says, no, man, I'm, I, seven's good, but I think you ought to do like 70 times seven. Now, Peter is a fisherman, not a mathematician. Peter didn't even have seven boats, but even if he had seven boats and they all had 70 fish in them, he wouldn't know how many he had until he sent his guys over there. They probably couldn't. There weren't enough disciples to count hands and toes and get up that high. So I think Peter's standing there and he's racking his brain and he's ciphering, trying to figure out, seven, carry this. And before he can even figure out the number because the number's not even the point, Jesus moves right on with this story about forgiveness. Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven... Now, I inserted in in my notes here forgiveness because Jesus has just been talking about forgiveness. Therefore, forgiveness in the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife and his children, everything he owned, to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, "'Please be patient with me, and I will pay it all.'" Then his master was filled with pity for him and released him and forgave his debt. Now, in Jesus' day, it was perfectly lawful. In in fact, it was expected that if you took on debt and you could not repay that debt to the person you borrowed from, you could legally be sold into slavery until you paid every penny back. Or you could be thrown into prison and your family members would have to work to pay your debt back. I wonder if that was still in effect today, would we be so willing to run out and buy a new car or, or take on debt? You know, if they could a new motorcycle, that's okay. Maybe a used one. I'm going to go for a used one. Um, this dude is about to be put into slavery. And if you were about to be sold into slavery so that your house could be paid off, so that your cars could be paid off, your student loan or whatever, how would you react to the, to the judge? This guy falls on his face and he says, oh, have mercy on me and I'll repay it all. And the, and, the, and the judge, the king says, okay. Now, there's some lessons that we need to learn from this story of the forgiven servant. And the first lesson is this. The debtor can't always repay if we did inflation for the past 2,000 years and added it to this debt, because see, what what this guy owed in our terms would probably be more like billions or trillions of dollars. Now, if you know anything about our national debt, it's in the trillions, and people say, we can't possibly as a country, the United States, the richest country ever, can't possibly repay all of our debt. If the United States, the collective... Um, Citizenship of the United States of America cannot pay back trillions in debt. How can an individual be expected to pay that back? He couldn't. That was the bottom line of the story. He couldn't pay. And I'm not talking about your mortgage, and I'm not talking about that Snuggie that you saw, that beautiful Snuggie online, and you, you bought it in five easy payments. You know, God forbid that you should do that and think that you're the only one that ever saw a Snuggie. Um, actually, we have Snuggies. My mom, I think she gives us one every Christmas. And uh, the only one I can ever find is the pink one. And, and Janie will come out on Sunday mornings when I'm studying during the winter and I'm in a pink Snuggie. Uh, but I'm not talking about your five easy payments for that Snuggie that you can now get at Walmart cheaper. What we're actually talking about here, the debt that you can't repay is your sin debt that you owe to God. But there's also some things that happen between you and human beings that they can't repay. And we're talking about that. You may have taken somebody into a confidence. You may have told them something you never told anybody else. And in a a weak moment, they may have have just spewed that out there for everyone to hear. In a really stupid moment, they may have posted it on Facebook and they can't take it back. And everybody and their dog sees what what you told them in confidence and they cannot take it back. They They can't repay you. Or maybe you're married and you said something to your spouse or your spouse said something to you and it wounded you. You know, as a kid, oh, I take it back, I take it back, I take it back. No, you can't. Once it comes out, you can't take it back. Somebody has done something to you somewhere and they cannot repay you. It's done. Back when I was in college, um, right after I finished, I graduated in August and and I didn't have any place to go because I had to get out of the condo that I'd been living in. And so this man in this church that I was going to, offered to rent me a room in his house. He, he was married and he had three little kids and they had this empty room. So I went over and I started living with them, renting their room, and I started working for him because he had this construction business, this remodeling business. And so he owned a bunch of houses that, that college students lived in and, and that's another story, kind of comical. But anyway, I was out one day outside of Waco and I was, I was working and I had finished a job. Now, he let me drive his truck. Now, I got a picture of this 1970 Chevy truck. This is what. This isn't the exact one, but it looked just like this. And and just FYI, do you know how much this fully restored cost? This was on the website that I went to. You know how much this cost? Today, thirty-one thousand dollars fully restored nineteen seventy Chevy. I was driving it in nineteen eighty-six, and and it was fully restored, and it was a sweet ride. It had the pipes, nom, 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 nom. you know, it was awesome. So I'm outside of Waco and I'm working and I'd repaired this house and, and I was leaving, I was coming back and I had a Coke because it was kind of hot that day and the Coke fell over inside the cab, fully restored. Did I tell you it was fully restored? It falls over. So I'm driving down this little two-lane road and ditches on both sides, you know, and I'm, all I can see is, oh dear God, there's a Coke in this fully restored pickup. So I go over to pick it up and as I do, I pull the steering wheel down with me in the floorboard And I get my Coke. About that time I hear this, CRASH! And I look up and I see a mailbox sliding across the hood because it was just perfect height. The, the, it was on this piece of wood and I smashed the piece of wood and and because of the, the laws of physics and, 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 and force and all of that stuff, it slides across and puts two skid marks right up to the windshield. And it stops at the windshield. Luckily, it doesn't crash through the windshield. And being the brilliant man that I am, I slam on the brakes and so it reverses and it goes the other direction back off. So there are four skid marks in this beautifully restored 1970 Chevy, pick, Chevy pickup. And I had maybe, I'm, I'm talking, if you sold everything I had, I had maybe $200 to my name. So I, I'm like, oh, this is bad. This is really bad. So I drive home and I park it and, and I'm just about to throw up and, and I see him come up. And so I met him in the driveway, and I said, dude, I, said, I need to show you what I did today. Because he didn't, he didn't look over there. didn't even think about it. And he goes, wow. What happened? I said, do you want to know everything? He's like, yep. So I told him the whole story. He just kind of shook his head, and I said, man, will you forgive me and let me pay for it? And he said, he said yeah, I'll forgive you, and don't worry about it. This was his pride and joy. I've never forgotten the act of kindness. Because I couldn't have paid. I was a poor college student. And the dude said, it's okay. The debtor can't always repay you. Um, I was shocked. But the lesson, second lesson from this forgiven... Servant story is, the offended can always show mercy. Then his master was filled with pity for him and released him and forgave his debt. Somebody has hurt you and, and okay, I, I first wrote in my notes, you don't have a choice, but you do have a choice. If somebody hurts you, you can choose not to Forgive that's that's within your right but you can't choose not to forgive and get the blessing of god god says my blessing only comes through forgiveness you've got to be like my son who is the ultimate forgiver it says john 3:16 god so loved the world that he gave he's a giver he wants us to be givers but he's also a forgiver and you've got to be like his son His path to blessing always involves forgiveness. And and I didn't put this on there, but I'm going to read you the second half of the story and then I want to show you a video. Second half of the story says, but when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. In comparison, it was less than a hundred days wages, so less than three months. Billions of dollars he owed the king. This one owed less than three months wages. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient, I will pay it. He pleaded, but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and jailed until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him what had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you the tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison until he had paid every penny. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and your sisters in your heart.
1: forgiven this tremendous debt we're talking millions of dollars he's just I'm free man I got no debt could you imagine not having a mortgage payment not having a car payment everything paid off free and clear the guy is like I am a free man no debt no worries and he comes out and he comes across a servant and this servant owed him a thousand dollars and he grabs him by the neck and starts choking him demanding payment I mean, what is up with that? And the guy couldn't pay, so he had him thrown into prison. So then the king hears about this, who had forgiven him that huge, tremendous debt. And he calls him before him and says, you evil servant. I forgave you this tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant, just like I had mercy on you? And then the angry king, he throws him into prison to be tortured until he can pay the entire debt. And this is what your heavenly father will do for you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Why would God be so harsh? Why would He say such a thing? I believe it's because God knows that unforgiveness puts you in a prison. Unforgiveness is like sipping poison expecting the other person to die. Unforgiveness puts you in a prison.
0: My favorite line is that, not forgiving. Unforgiveness is like sipping poison expecting the other person to die. So what kind of Kool-Aid have you been sipping lately? The unforgiveness poison? Are you in the prison of your own making? We always think that forgiveness is for the other person's benefit. Forgiveness is letting the other person off the hook. Forgiveness is about us. It's about getting us out of a prison of our own making. And... Uh, a lot of you are thinking, man, I want to be free, but what they did to me is just too, too great. They've hurt me too bad. What if you're married and you said, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, for sickness, in sickness and in health, and then they went and they cheated? What do you do then? What about the drunk driver that hit somebody you loved and, and either severely injured them or killed them? What do you do about that? What about the person who was molested over and over again by someone they should have been able to trust? How can you forgive them? And you say, I could never do it. Well, when it's too great, when the pain is too great, you got to remember lesson number three. Lesson number three is, Jesus' love is greater than any offense. What Jesus did on the cross is greater than anything anyone can ever do to you. His power is greater. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to help you forgive. The reason you can't forgive is because you're trying to do it in your power and not in God's power. Matthew 6, 14. Back to that first sermon Jesus preached. He says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse, here it is. Refusal means I'm choosing not to. Forgiveness is a choice. If you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive you. Now, I don't think that Jesus is saying that we earn our forgiveness by doing really good stuff. I don't think that's what he's saying at all. I think that that he's saying if you're not in right fellowship with other people, you can't possibly be in right fellowship with God. It is impossible. So if you've been wondering why your prayers haven't been answered, you've been wondering why your, your fellowship uh, with, with God is suffering, it may very well be that there's someone you need to forgive and you're refusing to forgive that person or those people. If God answered the prayers of a believer who had an unforgiving spirit, he would dishonor his own name. He would be encouraging sin and God can never do that. The important thing Jesus is teaching us about prayer here is not that you get an answer to prayer. The important thing he's teaching us is you be the person that God can trust with the answer to prayer. And God can only trust, according to scripture, he can only trust forgivers. So where are you in the process? Can God trust you? Are you a forgiver like his son? Today when you came in, you were given this blank sheet of paper. And, and we try to be really, really practical here. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to write down the name of someone that you need to forgive. And you may have a long list. That's okay. And in just a minute, we're going to play a song, and I've got a little fire pit up here. And, and I'm the only one. I'm not going to look through them or anything like that. But as we have a moment of silence to finish our service today, I'm going to ask those of you who are willing to say, I can't do this on my own. I need God's supernatural power. The same power that that He used when He was on the cross and He looked at our sins and said, Father, forgive them. I need that power. I'm going to ask you to come up and put that in here. You can fold it up. Nobody's going to see it. As soon as the service is over, I'm going to take it outside and I'm going to burn it. So nobody's going to be looking through. You don't have to worry about that. But you're saying you don't have enough power to forgive this person or this person's these persons. I want you to come and I want you to put it in here. Now, there's another group of you though you know you're the one who needs to be forgiven. What you have done is greater. You can't force the other person to forgive you. You are struggling because nothing that you can do seems to make it right. I want you to write down the name of the person who needs to forgive you. And as a symbol to God that you are powerless in this situation, I want you to bring that up here and put this in in the pit. Go ahead and hit that song. And you may just need to sit there and pray. If you're willing to do that as a as a sign before God, not anybody else, doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. I want you to come by and just put this put it in the pit and then return to your seat. Second
2: you King give his hand to us Y'all always amaze me.
0: I didn't anticipate that kind of response. And I'm honored to be associated with this church. I got a phone call yesterday from a friend who is entering drug rehab. He's really been struggling and and uh, I can't tell you how honored I was that he called me. Actually, it was Friday. And man, I messed up and hadn't been there and I'm sorry. And, and he said, I just wanted to hear your voice. And I said, man, I'm honored that you're my friend and I'm going to pray with you and I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to keep providing a church where you can come when when you get out of rehab and where people who are far from God can come and hear about grace. Because when I stand before God, if I'm going to err anyway, I'm going to err on the side of grace. We're not soft on sin here. I'll tell you exactly what God's Word says. If you come to me, I'll tell you what the Bible says, but I'll love you in spite of your actions. And we will continue week after week to do what we know is right before God to provide a place where anyone can come and hear about the incredible grace of God that we don't deserve. Would you take your registration cards and fill those out? And I'm I'm not naive enough to think that just because you put a card up here that your your slate is wiped clean and that you've forgiven everything. Forgiveness is a decision followed by a process. You may have to decide again 10 minutes from now to forgive the same person and an hour from now to forgive the same person. And tomorrow you may have to choose to forgive the same person again. But Jesus said we're, we're supposed to keep forgiving because we're forgiven. And so... Um, on the back of your card, here's one of two words. Either you're forgiving someone else, or you know you need to be forgiven from someone else. So forgiven, forgiving, or need to be forgiven. Write those on the back of your card. If you have any prayer concerns, please put those there.